and welcome to In the Vein, a podcast by students at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. My name is Molly Murphy. I'm a member of the class of 2025, and this is a segment called The Inside Scope, where I interview current students about their academic experiences in the hopes of providing tips, tricks, and general advice to the next class. I'm Bridget Foy. I am interested in going into OBGYN or general surgery um, with a fellowship in breast oncology surgery at this point, but still undecided. Probably something more surgical, though. Uh, I'm Sam Gendelman. I am currently undecided, um, but I'm sort of in the med-peds arena right now, maybe due to indecision, but we'll find that out. Uh, I'm Jason Sidrak. I'm interested in something surgical and I'm pretty split right now between orthopedics and neurology. Yeah, whoever wants to get us started, um, what's it like at Denver Health? Why'd you guys pick it? Um, I can go. I didn't really know anything. We had the uh, like information session. I wasn't really paying that much attention. And I remember I heard from one of our classmates whose older brother is now fourth year. Mm-hmm. and said that Denver Health, you can do a lot. They call it like the Wild West. It doesn't really feel like that, but that's how it was described then. And um, kind of more I looked into it, since it's like a federally qualified health center, like that patient population was something I was interested in kind of working with. And um, I was pretty happy to see that it worked out kind of the way it did. Okay, I have actually a question for you, follow-up yeah. question residents that I've worked with at Children's and University um, all like can't wait for their Denver Health rotations because they do get like so much hands-on experience there um, and I'm curious if you got like how you guys have felt that's uh, translated to med students as well. It's kind of hard to tell because I don't have much to like compare it against yeah but I mean some are like super about you know the med student learning and they're like hey come this is an interesting like physical exam finding and will incorporate you or sometimes in surgery. Some are just like really good teachers. Mm-hmm. So they really engage you to like do some like closure at the end of a case or like are pointing out different structures, but it doesn't feel like anything that's like unique, at least for me to like Denver health. It just feels like part of the LIC experience is like, okay, you're here to learn. And then some are better teachers and some attendings are going to engage you more. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel anything that I felt was like, well, it's just like way more than I should be handling at this point. Okay. I feel like um, in general, I've definitely noticed that like a lot of attendings will trust their residents like wholeheartedly and kind of let them handle care for patients and like do a lot of the things that they'd be doing, Mm -hmm. but um, with like minimal supervision almost. Mm -hmm. And it really is kind of hit or miss. Like some attendings are very different and Um, I think sometimes, you know, like Jason said, it's like, I don't know if it's necessarily like a unique experience to Denver Health, but um, we definitely have opportunities to do, I think, things that we should be doing at this level, like suturing or like putting staples in a wound or, um, you know, with supervision, obviously, you're never like going in there solo, but it really just depends on which resident or attending you're working with, I think. Okay. The other thing I will say about Denver Health, and this was part of why I chose to come here was Denver Health LIC has been around for I think 10 years. Mm -hmm. They started the LIC for our curriculum. So a lot of the attendings that we work with 
have worked with LIC students for 10 years. They are great. They're great preceptors. They know what they're doing. They know how to engage patients. And I think that's something that's unique and advantageous to being at Denver Health. And I have some preceptors who are young and fresh out of residency or fellowship as well, but like they're surrounded by other attendings that are treating the med students like very respectfully and really trying to get them involved with patient care. And so that's an advantage to being at Denver Health. It's just the attendings know what they're doing. Residents, it depends. Obviously the residents yeah. rotate around different sites, but mm -hmm. the other reason why I chose Denver Health was like Jason was kind of insinuating, it's a safety net hospital and there's a lot of advocacy available and advocacy has always been something that's really important to me and working with medically underserved populations, uninsured, underinsured, um, immigrant populations, refugee populations, um, very, very diverse. And I really like that and I see myself doing that in my future as well. So I think that's something that Denver Health provides is the opportunity to really be an advocate for your patients and work with patients that have lower health literacy compared to probably some of the other sites that LICs are at. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess that kind of transitions well into also why I kind of chose Denver Health. Um, just like I come from a family of immigrants, like people who don't have English as the first language and like grew up watching them navigate the the healthcare system. And then um, I feel like Denver Health kind of allows you to work with that similar population. People who are immigrating here don't have English as a first language. They have a lot of barriers to healthcare. Um, and I think Denver Health, for one, being established for so long and also being a community hospital, you get access to those patients better and like can um, learn what it's like to work with them. And I also kind of see that being a big part of my career and it was kind of a big motivating factor for why I chose Denver Health. Um, yeah, and then also like totally agree with what Bridget said about um, like our, I feel like all my longitudinal preceptors with the exception of like one maybe um, have had students before um, and have had them in this longitudinal like model um, which is really really great for learning because they don't expect things that like they shouldn't from you and like they're always um, very patient and open to like teaching you and then also like give great feedback on like how you can get better because they've done it and they've seen so many students go through the same like transition in their careers like I think that's a huge um, bonus that Denver Health offers. That's something that I think I did not realize how huge of an impact that would have on my year is that, you know, through this curriculum change, we're not the only ones who are unfamiliar with what's going on. And we know way more than like some of the physicians that we work with about like how the med school is changing. Um, and so I struggled with that a little bit and had luckily had physicians be super interested and curious about like the ways that it's changing, but on, on average, like pretty unfamiliar. So that's such a huge, I think that makes such a huge difference having that, um, uh, established LIC understanding because it does take a while to wrap your head around and um, I'm actually curious do you guys find and I know you only know the Denver Health experience but compared to like classmates at other sites do you find that you're you have an easier time getting one getting evaluations and two getting evaluations that are like thorough and like meaningful and with from physicians who like understand how much weight the evaluation carries 
That's a, a great question. <laughs> I, I, I think partially my answer is yes, because one of my preceptors is like the director of like Denver Health Equity. Okay. So he like really knows what it, a good eval should be. So it's like very thorough with like examples and like not just because there's a common feedback of like you should you can increase your medical knowledge more which is like yeah the whole point of second year yeah <laughs> but instead his feedback was like these specific clinical conditions these common things that we see in like diabetes or high blood pressure often or like specific physical exam stuff of like positioning yourself here or the way you like navigate the space mm. and that was really great to have because that's like very clear of like this is what he expects for me to improve and this is what i can do mm -hmm. Sometimes they were just, like, saying nice, positive things, mm -hmm. which I didn't know how to take because I was, like, are they just saying that because, like, I'm just generally nice? Yeah. And they don't want to say anything, like, rude. And then I was, like, well, this doesn't really feel like anything then. Like, yeah. they clicked, like, good, whatever. And then they're, like, nice guy to work with, like, easy, like, understands his role in clinic. And then I was, like, okay, like, I guess that's feedback. But yeah. it's not anything, like, actionable. Mm -hmm. So I think... It's going to be, like, I'm planning on, like, having, like, an honest talk near the end of the year of, like, kind of what the school expects out of, like, quality feedback, which it's not going to be the most fun conversation, but, like, hey, like, they need specifics. And I know we've been recommended to, like, keep a log and to give them examples, but that also just feels kind of like, hey, here's all the great stuff I've done. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> Write that down, please. All right. Those are just hard. They are hard. And we've had issues with the brief forms and I think that's just true across all of them yeah I'm just getting them returned mm -hmm. so um I think overall mine have been fine but not it's hard because like what's the level of specificity they really want sometimes it feels like an unattainable level of like specifics and examples and mm -hmm. I just don't know if people have time for that or if they even remember because they have patience and lives so right. yeah I have gotten fairly good feedback minus like one or two preceptors or one or two attendings I've worked with. My one thing was earlier in the year I used to send the evaluations to attendings that definitely did not even know my name and that was absolutely unsuccessful but I realized <laughs> that and I stopped doing that. You learned quick. I learned quick and Something that I, I have found pretty helpful was around the time that I know evals are going to get sent to my longitudinal preceptors, I'll instigate a conversation about feedback and I'll say, hey, um, at some point this week or maybe next week, if we run out of time, I would love to sit down and talk with you about what I've been doing well and what I can improve on and um, just get your feedback. And usually the preceptor is very receptive to that. We'll have a conversation about it, and then I'm kind of hoping that everything that we talked about will then prime mm -hmm. them to fill out my eval mm -hmm. in that way. Um, minus, I've only had one attending who, I, he's been my longtime preceptor, and he's never filled out an eval for me. But we've had multiple conversations about my progress and just nothing. So I think it, it's hit or miss. But in general, I would say I've been satisfied. I want to touch on what Jay something Jason had said about um, like keeping a log of stuff that you do. Um, it feels so weird to like send that to somebody and be like, "Here's all the great things that I that you watched me do and like have told me previously are like good things." Like that feels super uncomfortable. Um, 
But what made me feel better about actually doing that was like one of my preceptors reached out to me about it and was like, these new evals are insane. And like, <laughs> like, I think it's a real skill to evaluate yourself also. Um, and he was like, just like, give me some examples of like a, a few of these things I'm supposed to evaluate you on and like, just send it to me and then we can discuss it together. And I feel like, <clears throat> like being able to do that is um, like, another, it's like just another benefit of them having done this for so long. Like mm -hmm. they, they know how to work with students. They know what these evals mean. Um, and that like familiar, that familiarity and like him knowing that this process is like really long, a lot of work for him too. And like taking my input into consideration, um, just I, like builds our relationship too, like helps me get better. Um, and then also hopefully gets me a better eval in the end as well. Um, but then also like on the flip side, like brief forms have been a huge, <laughs> like yeah. huge flop. I don't know what it's going to look like next year. Um, but I feel like even just like working with someone for one, like one small piece of time, like they don't know anything about you. Like mm -hmm. they may have caught you in a bad time or a really good time, but it's like not super accurate to like what your actual skills in medicine are. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been, that's been definitely tough. And I don't think that's unique to Denver health. I think that's probably yeah mirrored across the board, but I don't know. No, that's interesting. Cause I think, you know, I think it is absolutely mirrored across LAC sites. And I just figured that Denver health having been around the longest probably had the least of that, but it sounds like you guys still have it. Yeah. Okay. It's still I present. Say, I would say um, it's you, still present. <laughs> yeah. You can't escape it. And, um, yeah, I think it's like going to be interesting with our class and slash the new curriculum in general because evaluations have always been a part of medicine but they've always been like one of many parts of the grading system and mm -hmm. now the grading like what we're actually graded on is dwindling and so now it's yeah. literally like step two and our clinical evaluations right. and everything else is pass fail which is just insane so now all of a sudden it like rides on th these like very subjective um like sentences sometimes words <laughs> not even yeah. full sentences sometimes words that um and again you're right like they're so busy you can't like i feel bad asking sometimes and i think that's hard um to figure out how to ask in the best way but those are some good recommendations too yeah i mean i feel like once i was able to get over that discomfort of like talking about things that i've done like yeah. and i also like talk about things i think i could do better on also yeah. um I think it's super helpful for them and they don't have, they can take it or leave it obviously. Yeah. And if you could, if you present it in, a, in the right way, I think a lot of preceptors will be super receptive because it saves them so much time. And like, they may not have thought about that thought about like great example of you like doing this one skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember one time I asked a preceptor for just like some, Hey, like how are things been going? Like and it's, you're right. It's really easy to be like, I can work on this. I can do better on this. Oh, I botched this like management plan. Right. And they said something like nice and it was like, specific and i like should have just appreciated it but my first thought was like write that down yeah like, just, just, like, write that down and don't forget it and then use that later <laughs> i was like here's wow. a brief form can you please fill this out yeah. right now i was like wow that's really nice here's my qr code yeah. Yeah. like hold that thought and type it down please <laughs> that thought. oh gosh i know i almost wish that we could like have a tape recorder on us or something and be like here can you just like say that again real quick? <laughs> say that you know? like, here's my proof i'm doing well i promise yeah exactly uh but yeah actually wait bridget will you explain really quick what a brief form is because i'm curious if they're going to get rid of those at all next year because they've definitely dropped the requirement for us or they talked about 
dropping it. So just in case they do, will you explain really quick the difference? Yeah, so a brief form is basically when you work with one resident or attending, or then they extended it to nurses, MPs, PAs, but we'll just say resident and attending, you work with this individual for one operation where it's your longitudinal patient and you were in this, you know, in their big surgery and you closed the incision and they pimped you on a couple questions, but that's your only encounter with that attending. You can send them a brief form where they can evaluate, okay, how is this person's OR awareness, situational awareness? Did they ask proper questions? How did they do on my pimp questions? How was their closure? So it's like, a two-hour encounter where maybe you did excellent retraction <laughs> and got to suture the incision closed. I would love to see what excellent retraction. Oh, I'm I'm really good at it. I'm really good. And you can send this person an evaluation. Nice. I think that's a good description because it's like essentially our preceptors can't be with us for every second of every day. Mm-hmm. So it gives opportunities um, for the people we work with outside of our like official evaluators to yeah. contribute to our evaluations. Something that I tell each person that I send a brief form to because you do kind of feel guilty mm-hmm. sending yeah, so or yeah. asking a resident who's working 80 hours a week and you're like, hey, um, I'm this med student who you've met one time. Can you please fill out this form? And you have 11 more of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And your inbox is full of them. And there's like 40 questions involved in it. Yeah. Oh brief I, is a really the wrong term. Yeah, it. it is. <laughs> I, I've started priming it by saying, hey, um, I would love to get a brief evaluation from you if you're willing to. Please spend no longer than five minutes on this. Oh, that's good. And they're like, oh, okay, thanks. And I'm like, if you're spending more than five minutes, just submit it. Like, that's all I need. I just want the most concise feedback from you that I can possibly get. And I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I would love you to fill out this evaluation of how I did on that closure. Or sometimes I'll say exactly what I want them to evaluate. Hey, can you fill out this eval on watching me take this H&P for this obstetric patient as you like scribed it in the back? Mm-hmm. I would love an evaluation on that. Spend no longer than five minutes on it. That's nice too. Cause I get the impression sometimes that like the evaluations that I've sent out that have just never been filled out they go into the abyss yeah into the abyss it's they, clo- like, they close after a while yes that's also true oh my gosh that is something that we were never told yeah, no, one said, <laughs> no one said anything about that I but it's like two weeks <laughs> they expire in like two weeks yeah. and it's like a nice that's another nice thing to let them that's know is like if you don't get around to it in two weeks like just FYI, it's going to expire kind mm-hmm. of thing or like no worries. But I wonder how many uh, preceptors or residents and stuff like fully want to give the time and effort to like fill out a good eval and therefore like avoid it and kind of like procrastinated because they want to be able to sit down and give it like a solid 20 minutes and they just don't have that time. And so that's kind of a nice way to like excuse them from that obligation mm-hmm. and probably guarantee that they'll at least fill it out. Because that's the thing too is that's the, the only thing worse than like a poorly written evaluation or like a poorly filled out one is like not one at all, which is so (laughs) frustrating, you know? Yeah. But yeah, really quick. I was going to ask you guys, um, because I know that the residents get a lot more autonomy at Denver health than they do at like other hospitals necessarily. 
Do you guys feel like you are mostly working underneath, like, I, I mean, obviously we're all working underneath residents, but do you feel like you guys work with residents more than attendings and more so than med students at other hospital sites? Um, I think so. I feel like, especially on like the inpatient, like hospital immersions, it's primarily like you're with the resident teams and on pediatrics, I just recently finished you round only with the residents and mm. the attendings don't even join rounds until like Thursday or Friday. Okay. And they are your people and they are the people you send the evaluation for. And if you have a moment with an attending, I sent one, one brief cause I thought we had like a moment. A moment. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think they filled it out. Um, surgery. I don't know. There's different teams at Denver health, but the team I was on, I was primarily working with the residents and then I'd see the attendings either in OR or in clinic um but the times i would do stuff in the operation the attending would leave it'd be the time like most of the closure had been done it's just the superficial layer like oh you guys got the rest and then the materials would come to me and i'd get to do stuff and mm -hmm. i like didn't send them anything because i'm like they didn't truly see me do anything like yeah i was present i was like you know doing stuff that was expected in the operation but it wasn't like i was i didn't feel like i was demonstrating anything nor did they like know me in any like tangible way to evaluate me for anything so um on internal men bridge what do you think yeah i would say in general on the inpatient side and on my immersions it was 90 percent residents 10 percent attendees yeah yeah I agree. in my outpatient longitudinal clinics it's 90 percent attendees 10 percent mm -hmm. residents okay totally. yeah that's how i would frame it in general yeah, out, out, same for me. Outpatient is like, I'm always with my attendings, which is awesome. And like, you get to form that connection with them too. Um, but like, inpatient and immersions, like, whenever you're there, you're almost always working with a resident. And even my, even my longitudinal surgery preceptor, like, I'm, I'm in the OR with him a lot. I'm still mostly working with residents. I'm not, I don't really like have that much face to face time with him, which like kind of sucks because I feel like attendings evals probably hold more weight um than residents would but residents could definitely speak more like what i'm able to demonstrate and like what my actual clinical and or skills are yeah so, so see that's something i've always wondered and i'm not sure at all and i'm curious if you guys have any like intel on that i don't know that an attendings evaluation holds more weight i like, think it does it does okay um i don't know yeah i'm I, in i'm in an obg should i talk about OBGYN pods sure uh, you think they're gonna be a thing it's a denver health like unique thing right okay. yeah the reason i have some intel on that is because i guess i'll describe what an OBGYN pod is i guess it is unique to denver health so denver health like i think our OBGYN department is just kind of stretched thin this year and like has gotten thinner and thinner so they don't have enough preceptors for each student to have their own or even like two students to a preceptor interesting I didn't so know there's that. yeah so there's a small group of us I don't know how they picked it. I mean, if you didn't say you were interested in OB, OB guy, I think you got put, in, you may have gotten put into a pod or it was just random, but these, I like jump around between attendings and residents. So like today I had, um, guy in clinic, minor procedures, but usually I have like resident guy in clinic or I'll have like labor and delivery. It's just kind of random. And I jump around. It sucks in a lot of ways, but the reason I like asked about this, cause I worked with a lot of residents inpatient at the hospital. And I was like, I don't have like one attending that I'm like gotten really close with like with my other preceptors. And I like asked our liaison about it and she was like, yeah, like we would want you to have more attendings 
evaluating you as opposed to residents. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. So it, which is tough for people that are in pods, right? Because we're we're right. not getting a lot of face to face time with attendings, and even if we do, it's like once or twice, and then yeah. you like switch to somebody else. So. Um, if you're super into OBGYN, I'm sure they could adjust your schedule to make sure that you're with someone, um, like specifically for that. But, and we've had like multiple group meetings with like just people that are in pods about like how we can make it better, like how we can make the eval process more fair. So I think it will be better next year, but it's like definitely a little bit of a disadvantage, I think, in that area. Yeah, that's super good to know, especially like, I mean, cause I know Bridget, you've been with the same ob preceptor and you're talking about outpatient. LIC preceptor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like um, your immersion is all the same. Right. Yeah. Like my LIC preceptor is ob pod. I may want to do ob Like if I do family medicine, like yeah. I really I really want more OB skills, but then I haven't really gotten that because I'm always in guy clinic basically. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. okay. So you can get screwed that way too. Like if your schedule is like Monday afternoons guy pod, like that's where you are for longitudinal. Oh, I see. So, like, okay. I had to request to, like, do more OB stuff, and they were able to adjust, but... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I've, I have will say I think that's interesting across the board at most LIC sites is that for ob specifically, actually, like, I, I'm sure it happens, like, with all different specialties, but ob just has so many subsect, like, subspecialties within it that, um, like, my ob preceptor is a maternal fetal medicine doctor. Bridget's is a gyne-onc. I've never seen a pregnant patient in OB-GYNE <laughs> pre- in, in my LIC preceptor, but I don't think that's specific to Denver Health. I think that's just luck of the draw with your preceptor, and it okay. can be, that's just kind of unique to the LIC. Yeah. Yeah, same, same for me. Like, I always have gyne clinic on Monday afternoons, and I was like, I haven't seen a pregnant patient in, like, three months, and, like, if I want to do family med, I'm not getting that exposure. So I asked, I got additional labor delivery shifts and stuff, but it's like not in place of my Monday yeah. afternoon shifts. I'd have to like fill, yeah, fill other spots, <laughs> which is not great when you're like studying for shelves and like following cohort patients and stuff. I think it brings up like a interesting or like important point that like they are pretty flexible, but you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And totally. that's kind of like a unique thing to have like, because I don't know, up to this point, I would just show up to whatever classes I had, and that was it. And then this right. is the first time you can be like, hey, like, this isn't exactly what I was expecting. Like, can we do this? And for sure. I haven't really heard of anyone who wanted more time on labor and delivery that they couldn't do it. Yeah. But it's just, they're not going to do it if you don't say anything. And for sure. that's a unique thing to, like, have to, you don't want to feel like you're ruffling feathers, and you're really not. Yeah. This is an important year for our training, and you have the ability to like take that agency yourself it's just recognizing that that's the thing you can do and I love that aspect of our LIC curriculum honestly that we do have a decent amount of free space in our outpatient LIC clinic time and some people will take that time and just recoup and you know sleep in or relax which obviously I've totally done that before But it's nice to have flexibility with the schedule where I really love surgery. And so I try to fill my free time with as much like OR time as I can because I love operating. Yeah, I I was just going to bring that up. So I'm glad that you did because I think that is really cool. It's like you can look at it as glass half full or glass half empty, but we're not all getting the exact same amount of time in rotations, the exact same rotation structure. 
And it's like we're all on these very individualized schedules, but you can really play that to your advantage and like make it as like beneficial and uh, get the most out of it that you want to, which is cool. Totally. Okay, and also just to clarify, you guys do, this is kind of unique to Denver Health, I think, you do all of your rotations at Denver Health, right? Like not even peds or OB-GYN or elsewhere, you do every, family med clinic, outpatient, like all of your outpatient, all of your inpatient is within the Denver Health realm. Yeah, everything's within Denver Health. Every immersion's at Denver Health. Every outpatient LIC preceptor is with a Denver Health clinic. Okay, that's super interesting because, like, at Children's, we obviously, for our adult rotations, like, our IM inpatient and outpatient, and then OB-GYN inpatient and some, for some people, outpatient, those are all at University Hospital. And I know, like, the VA... Um, I think does their OB guide at Rose or St. Joe's? Uh, Joe's. St. Joe's. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, and so yeah, so that's really interesting that you guys are all in one place. Yeah, I feel like pros and cons to that, obviously, but um, yeah, that's kind of unique. We kind of talked about like some of the things you guys love about Denver Health. Um, any drawbacks? Not really a con, but just at Denver Health, the like realities of insurance coverage and like money in healthcare. Mm-hmm is just it sometimes just smacks you in the face and there's a lot of like very unsatisfying moments where yeah some people they have like a sliding scale it's not like a traditional insurance they just work out i can pay x amount and you see them in, in clinic and you try to get creative and you think of like unique solutions and then it's it will inevitably boil down to can they afford it or not mm-hmm. and then more often than not it's a no and then that's it that was that's the answer, and it doesn't feel great in those moments because you're like, it. You see how much like for as much as we try and the effort, like it sometimes really boils down to the finances of it all, and you see the breakdown of like how the system works. Mm-hmm. I guess in this country, and it. I don't know. It, it's never like I never leave those encounters feeling like, wow, like you know, I I tried, which like of course we did. My preceptors like trying, and we're being so creative, and then you fall short and then, I don't know, it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. I think that's the great thing about the attendings that work at Denver Health is they've experienced and been a part of that for years and years. And they are so honest and open to conversations about it in my experience. And I've gotten into some really challenging and sad conversations about how the healthcare system has failed certain patient populations and what we can do and how we can advocate for them and it's powerful and it's emotionally exhausting but it's also very powerful and it's I, I feel like I was very naive to that coming into this year um I feel like I had a different idea of like what healthcare would look like for these people and like that there was always going to be more options mm-hmm. um but a lot of times unfortunately like at Denver Health like an inpatient like you're discharging someone to the street like they have nowhere to go um and you don't really have any other options for them and they're gonna probably end up back in the hospital in like a couple days um just because they don't have a they don't have a shelter to go to um and it's like same thing with like insurance like some people need certain treatment options or like different management plans and their lifestyle slash their insurance does not fit that and there's not a good option after like after that. And that's like a really hard pill to swallow, I think. Um, and it's something that I wasn't aware of as much and like was very naive to coming into this. Um, but it's real. It's like, that's what, that's what healthcare is like 
today in America for those people. And I feel like that's a really awesome lesson to learn now mm -hmm. um, early in our careers because, um, you know, I think we can gear ourselves to changing that and trying to, you know, break down the system and do what we can in our, in our careers to change that. Um, yeah. I also think that I have a lot of respect for the providers at Denver Health for the advocacy and the work that they do for their patients who are experiencing these things. And I got the unique opportunity to spend a couple days in our refugee clinic where we had patients who sought refuge in America from other countries. The patients I was taking care of were from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And we were their first touch with the healthcare system since coming. And we went over all of their previous vaccinations and all of their health records, did tons of lab work. And then we saw them later in the week and we had all of those results back and we got them on medications and started taking care of them, got them in with PCP or mental health, whatever they needed. And it was such a cool experience. And these patients were so grateful. And I think that was an, an awesome side to experience was here are these individuals who don't have insurance, they're new to our country, and we are absolutely just bringing them into our healthcare system and providing them with the healthcare that I think they deserve. And I loved getting to be a part of that. So I think it's, it's challenging, but then there are moments like that or times when you are successful in providing good healthcare yeah. and it feels really good. And the patients are typically very, very grateful. Yeah, I wanted to highlight the refugee clinic is wicked cool. So you see in like a given day, people from like five different countries with different ethnicities and religious like beliefs and different approaches even to like how healthcare and how much like advocacy they should have in their own healthcare. And it's a lot of learning that you do indirectly there where some people want their to be, they go to the doctor and they have like a high respect for the position and the title and they're there because they you know we've done the training and they want to be told okay i want to do whatever you say that's often something i hear yeah. talk whatever you want that sounds good mm -hmm. on the other spectrum you want people who really want to dive into all the options and presented like a menu and you work them through the different options and being able to navigate those changes even like within three patient encounters in 30 minutes is really cool Transitioning from being like a med student first year to then going into your clinical year and seeing healthcare play out in front of you in real time and like with real patients and real struggles that like the physicians have taking care of those patients. Different providers have different like creative solutions that are not well known across the across the physician population. And it's literally just like the expertise and the experiences that they've had. And I think that's amazing. You guys are getting to see, I mean, all of us are to some extent, but I think really at Denver Health, you're getting to see these physicians and like what solutions they themselves have personally come up with for their patients and like getting to use those in your own practice someday is really cool and build on those. I remember one, uh, one of the residents I worked with at Lowry was telling me like, when you do like newborn and like infant, like well child checks, there's like questions, like questionnaires the parents will fill out. And a lot of them are like, specific actions but the actions that the kit on the paper is supposed to be doing doesn't like culturally like translate one was about like reaching for cheerios and like 
Ooh, a lot of people, Lowry, like, are maybe not eating Cheerios, so parents will often click no. And then that can be interpreted as this kid isn't um, meeting certain developmental milestones, but it's more just like wow. a competent cultural, like, this just doesn't compute. Yeah. So they have people, I think, Bridget, if you know, like, at Denver Health, there's, like, patient navigators who are representing a lot of the different cultures we see, and they, like, essentially translate the forms oh, to help so parents cool. fill it out, like, a little more accurately based off their life experience, which I've, like, never considered before. Yeah, so not just, like, language translation. It's literally, like, metaphor translation. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. skill translation. That's so interesting. I thought of another. Oh, yeah. Um, just a con, and this is probably overlaps with the university, I would guess. Um, but just, like, the number of residents that are working, like, particularly in the operating room. I've been in a lot of circumstances where I really don't get to do much because there are a lot of there's a resident, a fellow, and an attending all operating. And like, usually they're nice and will let me close still. And I've pretty much always been able to scrub in, but I know just compared to like more rural sites, you don't really get to do that much mm -hmm. operating in particular. But on the outpatient setting or in clinics, if there's procedures, usually the residents will let me be hands-on. But I know like just in the surgery immersion, especially, I think it can be hard being the fourth person in line yeah. to scrub. Like oh, I've yeah. been in a couple operations where there's another LIC student and we're both, you know, we have to take turns scrubbing. So I think that's a downside. Yeah. But right. I, I would definitely say they're pretty good about letting med students close in general. I wish General had more money to offer free food. <laughs> um, like the cafeteria is not like super expensive, but... I know different sites. Some hospitals have like a physician's lounge, and like we have Restore, which is this like, like <laughs> love safe space for like all pretty much anyone at the hospital to like go. And there's like a little thing where you can get like a small cup of coffee and a snack, and okay. we love it because it's it's just <laughs> free. Something. We get yeah. free coffee. It's amazing and a free how little it takes. Yeah. <laughs> and we're so excited. They have like aroma diffusers and it's just relaxation <laughs> they have puzzles nice. and coloring books that's cute we Aww. love that place we love Shout it is that like the mental health thing that they that yeah. last yeah. year they talked to us about okay that was at Denver Health yeah because I couldn't remember what hospital that was like set up for but yeah you can like have, if you like had a difficult like experience or like moment mm -hmm. you can schedule and they have like people that you can talk to <laughs> on a real note though Denver Health is in a ton of debt, and I don't think it, it totally touches us that much, except for that we are, like, working in more of a resource-limited environment, but, like, mm -hmm. Denver Health initially opened, and they were just serving Denver County, and then they started serving, like, anyone who came in, but, like, people who are, like, from out of country or, like, out of county, it's really hard to, like, get reimbursed by insurance for them, so they started seeing all those people, gone to a ton of debt. And now they just recently, like, changed it back to, like, now we can only see people in Denver County. Yeah. Um, which is, like, yeah, it's just, like, an interesting situation. And you're also, like, just seeing more of that, like, that side of healthcare and, like... It's a per Honestly, Denver also... Really, not that, again, like, you get this at every hospital. It's, like, waking up and realizing the reality of the healthcare system. But... Man, Denver Health seems like it's like waking up in the nightmare of the healthcare system. Yeah. A you little bit. learn to advocate. Like, yeah, I mean, you highlighted the worst part. It's like it's not like the doctors and people with jobs and insurance and stuff that are, like the people who are suffering are the patient. Like it's gonna yeah. be the patients that yeah. need the most help that are like right. suffering the most, which is like a ridiculous reality. Yes, yeah. ridiculous. Also, I have to bring it up um, because I am pretty sure that Denver Health 
you guys do 24 hour shifts, right? We do. We have one required 24 for the whole year. And that's when you're on your surgery immersion, you do a 24 hour trauma call shift. So you, um, you might be on a different surgery team during the day, but you go into a trauma call that night and you end up leaving between like 6 a.m. and maybe 8.30 if you have to stay for morning rounds. So it can be anywhere from a 24 to a 26 and a half. Oh, gosh. Um, but you only do one of those shifts for the whole year. Okay. Um, but there are a couple other circumstances where you might end up doing a 24, like I do overnight shifts in the psych ED, um, and a couple other people do overnight shifts in the emergency department, but I think that's a little bit more common in other sites where you're having an overnight shift and you might have clinic during the day beforehand Mm -hmm. that goes straight into an overnight. But Denver Health is the only site, I think, that does an actual, like, true 24-hour call shift. Yeah. And so is that only within surgery that you guys are doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's only within surgery. Gotcha. And you should um, theoretically only have one. Yes. Throughout the year. Okay. That's good to know. That's super interesting. Yeah. Um, It's kind of interesting, actually. Like, it really makes you think about whether it's worth it to do a specialty that has 24s and it's kind of brutal. But I, I feel like I would rather have that be my first time doing it during med school compared to have my first 24 be during residency when I actually am responsible for patients. But I don't know, maybe that's like a kind of brutal way to think about it. Okay, so if anything else comes up that you guys want to mention, obviously feel free. But otherwise, um, we'll kind of move into some like more general advice um, for the clinical year, um, not necessarily in particular to Denver Health, but now that you guys were all kind of um, over halfway through it. Um, yeah, what did you wish you had known at the beginning or um, have you kind of learned along the way? I will say that I've learned, again, to advocate. <laughs> Um, is Denver Health Advocacy? I, I it is, right? Oh, you guys are an advocacy. Yeah, we're an advocacy. Okay. Oh, yeah, I should have asked that at the beginning. What are you in? Uh, equity. Equity, okay. Sam Gendelman, Advocacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have learned to advocate for yourself. If you want to do something, you have to make it known, and you have to be okay with being told no Mm -hmm. and you have to be okay if it's like a little bit awkward to be speaking up for yourself super awkward super awkward to be speaking (laughs) up for yourself but there you're gonna get opportunities passed over you the residents are just gonna default and do stuff Mm -hmm. they sometimes forget what you want to do and they forget what's exciting to you but you just have to if you want to do something you just have to ask and Mm -hmm. obviously there's a time and a place and make sure that it's the right time and place. But I think that's something that I've learned in my first couple months and now have gotten better at. Yeah, being told no, that's a really good one because they don't care. They're glad you asked. You know, like that's something I didn't realize is whether that would be taken as being like really rude. Like how dare you ask to get to do something that's way beyond your scope. And obviously don't, if you know it's way beyond your scope, don't ask. Uh, but I think, yeah, you'll never know unless you ask. And they're actually not offended by you asking. And yeah. they w- also won't let you do something that they're uncomfortable with. Like, they're not going to feel bad about, like, telling you no if they actually don't want 
you to do it. They won't. I was in a surgery one time and I asked if I could put one of the ports in because I'd seen it done, you know, however many, 15 times. And it looked simple enough. It looked safe enough. So I just asked the resident, hey, do you mind if you teach me how to put a port in? And she's like, yeah, sure. And so she taught me and I got to. And it's like a simple thing, but... I would it's not. It's a huge deal for med students. Yeah, it's exciting. Totally. That's a very cool. Experience. No, yeah. no resident would have turned to the med student and said, "Hey, med student, do Take you want to put this yeah. board in?" And I think they forget sometimes too um, how exciting the most mundane parts of their job totally. are to a med student. They so put, it's, they yeah, they probably don't even for surgery. Right, right. They probably don't even think to offer that because, right. like, why would you want to do that? But as a med student, that's so exciting. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. Um, I guess my advice is I my transition to the second like clinical year was a lot more difficult than I was expecting mm-hmm. and it's taken a while to like figure out kind of why was it so difficult and I really figured boiled it down to I had unrealistic self-expectations mm-hmm. and I wasn't appreciative of the fact that this we're here to learn mm-hmm. so I came in I have a sense I want to do something competitive and I remember someone boils down advice if you tell them you want to do like a competitive specialty to Crush everything, do research, and you because we don't have any grades, honors everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my mindset it's simple. going in. <laughs> and I was just not having a good time at all. And it was I had this idea that I had to I couldn't make any mistakes. Like I need to be performing at my best at all times and like the learning felt bad. Mm. I'd mess up. They'd ask me a question about like Oh, do you know what med we would think to give here? I wouldn't know and I'd be kicking myself. Or I would put this pressure of I have to be performing at this level that was frankly unrealistic for at a second year at any point yeah. throughout the clinical year. Probably even a third year, honestly. Yeah. Probably yeah. like resident level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had this mindset of this is what I had to do. Jason's like, I need to be an attending teacher. <laughs> and Day one. It was it was like really affecting me even like outside like my partner is in the springs and i remember like even with talking with friends like everyone would point out like such amazing things that they were doing and all i could ever focus on was like negative things or things i did wrong mm-hmm. and it was just this like cycle that i found myself in for months and it was really like i was doing a master class on how to be miserable <laughs> in the second year and thankfully i like had a good support system. I reached out. I talked with Bridget. I talked with my like LIC director and it took a while because it's like a big mindset shift that like you're here to learn and make mistakes and try and like that's the whole point and I like lost sight of that and I think the advice I would have is like you can only control a few things. You can control your effort. You know, you always wish you like knew more. Mm -hmm. That's like always going to be true. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. You're there to try to learn and build like skills. Yeah. And I lost sight that we're there for like skill building. And it was this, uh, like, I was holding myself to this like idealized standard that just isn't true. Mm-hmm. And once I kicked that, it took months. And I can now like enjoy different clinics and I recognize the gains I've made. And we talk about the J curve. And for a while, <laughs> you think the J curve is a lie. And it may be. I haven't done dug in the data. <laughs> I, I can like feel now when I go into clinics, I have a good sense of like what I need to do and I can recognize the growth. Like in the beginning, I felt like I couldn't really do anything. And now like 
I feel comfortable with like the notes and how each preceptor wants it, which takes a while because you, you're not there that consistently. Yeah. And you forget, how exactly do they want me to do that? Um, but that comes and then you find yourself like, oh, I remember the beginning of the year, I couldn't manage high blood pressure at all. Mm -hmm. And now I got it. And that's really cool to be able to at least recognize that, at least for me. So um, I think this year has been a strong lesson in like managing like self-expectations. Yeah, that's awesome. Also, we all laugh. <laughs> I um, fully think, I mean, I'm sure everyone is at this table or even in our class did that to some extent. So like I, and I can speak personally to say that like, I definitely did that to some extent. So you're, you're not alone in that. But I think that is phenomenal advice because it is a lot of pressure. And again, like it's so great that med schools are becoming more pass-fail minded but at the same time the like few things that they leave to not be pass fail then hold this horrible weight and it's just it's hard to um yeah it's hard to like remember that you're you're here to learn and like that's the other thing is I had an attending once preface before he pimped me um that he a doesn't care if I get any of these questions right or wrong my score in his questions would not impress him more or less and like B, that um, he'd rather just have me tell him when I don't know something yeah. because then we don't waste time with me like sitting there sweating and like trying to rack my brain for something that's not there. Right. And he's like, no, it's fine. And it's actually, he was like, I'd rather have more questions asked that you don't know because then you're learning yeah. and I'm not just sitting here quizzing you on things you already know, which actually isn't all that beneficial to you. You know, I think we have to tell ourselves that every attending said that exactly because like yeah. that's phenomenal that your attending said that. And I've mm -hmm. had one of my preceptors who said something similar, but you, you just kind of have to pretend like every one of the preceptors has said that because otherwise, like Jason said, you're going to beat yourself up if you yeah. get a pen question wrong, which has happened and I've beat myself up over it mm -hmm. and then it rattles you for the next pimp question or it rattles you for yeah. your oral presentation or mm -hmm. whatever it is and you just have to tell yourself that it's not a big deal if you get it wrong and just move on. Yeah and it's a total mind shift too from first year because first year that's all it was about was like were you right or were you wrong and like you know it's just an entire year chalked up to test questions yeah. and now all of a sudden it's really not about that and it's yeah totally about your effort totally about how quickly you can bounce back from being wrong like they almost love it's like you're almost supposed to really be uncomfortable in your failure in this year because then you like yeah you almost like learn to exist in that space because that's where all the learning happens yeah um you kind of just get thrown into the clinical year so of course you're gonna fail at first and what was hard too is like with me just focusing on like every mistake like there's so much amazing things that happened across this year yeah but like i wasn't recognizing any of that and then it got like just overall kind of sad because like i wanted to be a doctor for a while and i was like this is the first time i'm doing it yeah we're yeah. doing it you're in the or you're doing clinic like sometimes patients even call you doctor <laughs> like sometimes feels kind of nice <laughs> and it was just falling flat and i was like wow this is really sad that like I'm in the safe space where like truly the stakes are not as high yeah. as I'm making them out to be. Oh yeah. We are giving like so much support and latitude, but also like they're not going to give you a patient that they're truly nervous about. Like, oh no. And also they're watching over your shoulder. Yeah, right. <laughs> and <laughs> yet through all, I was missing all of that. And I was just focusing on this one thing and it was just, it was, I was essentially wasting months of mm -hmm. time of just, and it was my own accord, which is 
I'm glad I figured it out, yeah. but it's it's a lot of like introspection and it was a lot more difficult and it should be the year's gonna be hard. It's gonna be challenging, but there are so many good things. Mm-hmm. You just have to give yourself grace to recognize the wins, the big and small, mm-hmm. and balance them out with like, yeah, sometimes I stumble, but like moving forward. I'm stumbling forward mm-hmm. sometimes, which is <laughs> how it feels a lot of the time. I love that. Stumbling forward. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, I've been trying to like boil my things down to like two concrete things. Um, the first one is like, what's definitely going to be what, what Jason was saying. Like, um, you're going to suck in the beginning and that's like totally, totally fine. And the quicker you can get like, be okay with that. Like the faster you can like, show growth and like get better um as a medical student and as like a doctor um so like i resonate with like a ton of stuff that jason said and i just want to repeat it again like you are going to suck Mm -hmm. in the beginning and that is okay and you will get better and the point is to show that you are growing from the beginning to the end and if you can show that like in your emails like i think that's what will get us we don't know yet but i (laughs) i think that that's what what will get us like higher grades yeah um but it's like feeling that like it's okay to feel that a little bit in the beginning and like sit in that like misery for a second but like um don't let it like consume your learning like move on and move forward and it's like you're gonna get better and that's okay the second thing I wanted to say I touched on it earlier and like now that we're at this point in the year I feel like more comfortable with this is keeping a log of things that you've done or like good examples of things in front of your attendings and then finding good ways to offer it to them in like a not like ruffling feathers kind of way um, leads to great conversations, leads to probably better evals for you. And also like um, just like makes you better because you're discussing that with them. Like they don't have time to remember all those things all the time. They're not going to remember like this great example from October when it's like April. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you can bring that stuff back up, it will make your eval stronger and it will make you better because you can talk about that feedback. Sam, I would love to hear how you do this because I need to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually <laughs> same. Um, well, okay. So ob pod thing, like we like something that they're trying to do to make it more fair for us is they've um, tried to get us with the same attendings for like the rest of the year or like at least a lot of times. So like I'll be with one of the attendings like four or five times for the rest of the year. And I just sent them an email, like just like after I met them for the first time on Monday, like last Monday, um, like I'm going to like try to keep track of things that I'm doing, like work where I've showcased my knowledge or showcased my skills and also areas where I'm trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And then I'm happy to provide those to you. Like when evals come around and um, like, and I said, like, obviously like you can feel free to just like um, do this yourself. But if that's something that you're interested in, just let me know and let me know what you think. I like left it really open. Um, but she like responded super positively and was like, please. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's a yeah. really good way to phrase it. Yeah. Cause I've only ever retroactively been yeah. like, Hey, can you fill out this email? Here are some things I think of, but I kind of like the like asking Proactive. permission. Yeah. yeah I just like saying I, I'm open to trying this. If you are open to trying this, cause yeah, I, I'd imagine a lot of preceptors are yeah. very down with that. Yeah. And like my attending, like he says, like through the university every year, he has to do like this long six hour eval of himself. And it's like a legitimate real skill to be able to evaluate yourself mm-hmm. and like figure out like what you're doing well and like what you could do better on. 
And I think that's like, that's, if you can be open and like build that relationship with your, with your preceptors, I think it would make much stronger evals and like make the learning that much more as well. Yeah. So that's what, that's like my two things is like, you're going to suck and that's okay. And two, like the quicker, like if you're comfortable and like, once you get to that point of like being comfortable, asking if you can be involved in the eval process or even just like sitting down with the preceptor and talking about like what their eval meant, I think could like make you better and make the next eval better. Yeah, that's what I, there's like two things I wanted to say to that. The first being um, kind of like touching on what you guys were both saying, um, just that our learning this year is also so individualized. It, you know, last year you could compare yourself to the class average all the time, yeah. but this year it's just totally, you're on your own track and right. you don't even know what, not only do you not know what your classmates at other hospitals are really looking like day to day, but you don't even know what your classmates at your hospital are looking like day to day. You just have like complete blinders on. And so um, I feel like that was also something that you mentioned um, Sam, is that the growth that you demonstrate, I think from what they've told us will matter a hell of a lot more than necessarily where you started at. And so that's to your point too. Like sure. If you come out of the gates being super strong, not that that's going to hurt you at all, but you have to demonstrate growth throughout the yeah. year regardless. And so it's like good not to stress too much in the beginning about being like the absolute best med student they've ever seen in their lives because then you're gonna have to maintain that level of stress <laughs> all year long and get better and it's yeah. like you might as well give yourself the little boost of like not to set the bar low but you right. know what i mean like yeah. don't stress too much in the beginning they don't expect you to know anything yeah. um and then focus on growing more than yeah showing up day one um but then the other thing i was just gonna say is that um i think i have forgotten how much feedback is supposed to just play a role in my personal learning this year and not in this like evaluation that determines my clinical grade you know Mm -hmm. and so to your point as well having those conversations with your preceptor is not like not just will benefit your evals but like having formal feedback sessions is a part is going to be a part of our career for the rest of our lives and like starting that framework now and how you approach asking somebody to give you feedback whether that's verbal or written is such a good tool to have in your belt and um and it's kind of uncomfortable like it's, I think so. it's totally uncomfortable yeah yeah so I think that's a good point because I I sometimes forget that that I'm like I'm also gathering feedback just for my own mental yeah. framework of what I'm supposed to be learning from this year and like it, you're right it is it's skill building and that's for us not just for our grades so absolutely I think yeah. one other piece of advice was like there's a few times on immersion you work directly on the same team with another classmate mm. and I was thankful to be paired Bridget and I are immersion buddies so pretty much all the immersions you've been <laughs> scheduled on the same weeks which is really nice because I feel like we work well together but there's also like a baseline respect for we're both here to learn and we're here to support one another mm-hmm. I can sometimes see how easy it can be to like now I'm being compared to this person you're not mm-hmm. you're really not you're here to support one another so it was simple things that I really appreciate that Bridget did was just like hey what are your goals for this week how many patients would you like to have by the end of the week and it was just us talking with one another realizing like this is our individually what we want to do and we're not going to like show each other up on rounds when it's Bridget's patients like the questions they're for her mm-hmm. they're not for oh now I can show that I know all this stuff mm-hmm. that's just lame that's not you're not going to look good rarely did I ever know the answer so that was never <laughs> an issue that came up <laughs> but not only was I supported well by like 
the residents, the antennas, but also by Bridget, who like, we'd talk in the morning, like, hey, do you have any thoughts on this? And like, we'd help each other. And I felt like I learned a lot because I had that extra support as well. That's really Thanks, awesome. Jason. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> I'm really so happy to cry. Someone pull out the Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I loved working with Jason also, but I think something else that we did, and we kind of stopped doing this after a couple weeks, but we did this like the first maybe six weeks or so was we would debrief afterwards about a good thing that happened, like a good patient encounter that we had and a mess up. And we would talk about it just to normalize that growth is what we're there for. Mm -hmm. And really going through this with classmates and friends and you really do bond a lot with your LAC. And I think leaning on each other as much as you can is massively beneficial. I love that. Yeah, I don't know if that's, I feel like Denver Health, like we're like pretty tight as a community, like, and like generally we're like not cutthroat with each other and like, Mm mostly just like have fun together and like we'll support each other through tough times and I hope that that's not unique to Denver Health but I really feel that at Denver Health and like even with like our directors all like feel like they're tight together too and it like makes us all feel closer um which is like super hard when you're like when you're feeling like that misery that we were talking about like it's nice to hear that someone else is going through the same thing oh yeah yeah. like on like a baseline human level it's nice to commiserate about that kind of stuff together yeah, I love to commiserate. <laughs> <laughs> One of my many hobbies. <laughs> um, no, it's like it can be a very isolating year too, which oh. I did not expect. But it is wild how a you're just super busy. Um, but it's like I thought I would see my fr- I miss seeing our classmates every day. You know the fact that we were in the same room for like eight hours a day every almost every single day of the week, and then you go from that to like. I saw people at med school prom that I haven't seen in like yeah, nine yeah. months, yeah. you know, crazy. like it's just so crazy. crazy. And, um, yeah, so it's, that's a really good point. I like that to like lean on each other. I think that's kind of a CU thing, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I found that in our class in general, but, um, yeah, that's really great that you guys have that. Before we wrap up and I promise I'll let you guys get out of here. Um, do you guys have any like study tips and, or just like anything miscellaneous that you wanted to share that I haven't asked you about? So I've talked to Molly about this, but I found the NBMEs extremely helpful for shelf exams and it sucks that they cost 20 bucks, but it's in my opinion, 20 bucks well spent and well worth it. it. And what I've done with one of our other friends in the LIC is I'll pay for two of them and she'll pay for two of them and then we'll review them together and we can kind of get the benefit of all of them, but we each only have to pay for half. I will say I hate having to spend money on like four different resources, but MBME practice shelf exams is a resource worth spending money on. Yeah. Um, I thought it was ridiculous in the beginning of the year when like our like fourth year Denver health representatives were like, yeah, you just learn by like doing practice problems. And I remember the first shelf was our OB and I was getting so many questions wrong. And I was like, I don't understand what I'm learning. I'm just getting problems wrong. And then I just move on. Um, But you like, you just need to do the problems. So Mm -hmm. Amboss or UWorld, I don't really think it matters. I I picked Amboss because it was cheaper. I picked UWorld. Yeah. It's been fine. MedEd's also great though. Online MedEd is cool. The videos are helpful for that like baseline, like knowledge base that you need to know. And then 
a lot of it is just like kind of self-learning like the few times you can like connect it to a patient is like very cool but can't think of that many times i was like oh i can think of this person it was more of like i did the problems i, I did the flashcards or like online meta it explains it pretty well so that's kind of how i've done the shelf i feel like a lot of times we're like learning like the crazy like red flag stuff too so it's like it's kind of hard to get clinical correlates a lot of the time because like like a patient that is like vitamin D deficient is different from someone who like has an esophageal perforation like management for that. Yeah. <laughs> like you just don't see that as frequently. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I've, I've had a hard time studying like shelves are hard for me. And like, I always like do better with structure for my studying, um, which has been hard. because it's like a lot of it is like self-directed. We don't like, have any real guidance and even our didactics don't match like the shelf that we're studying <laughs> for so like that's also tricky um but like a method that i use that has got me to pass all the shelf exams luckily so far i don't know if it i just want to say it but it's like i don't know if it works well or not i just do a lot of amboss questions and then do anki cards unsuspended related to the questions that i got wrong yeah and then if i have time i will redo the amboss questions that i got wrong um but sometimes you can remember them. So it's not always the most beneficial, but that has worked. That has worked well enough to get me passing. Um, if that's what, what whoever's listening to this is looking for, just so they, like, I don't know if there's, there's probably better methods out there, but it has worked for me to do that. Um, do cards and questions. Yeah. It helps that we just have to pass. Cause like, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> that threshold is manageable. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's doable. It's mm -hmm. just like managing your time and putting in effort, which is just like, at school yeah <laughs> in a nutshell <laughs> i can't imagine what they went through with that but that was it, your grade when it was that like you have to like do your very best on like i would be a mess <laughs> <laughs> like i already like am so yeah. stressed to get that pass and like if yeah. i was trying to like get a really high score on it like yeah my life would look different i think <laughs> well i also think i would not have been as focused on the clinical learning yeah, which totally. i think you actually get more out of than the 100%. you know like i think i've gotten a lot of learning out of the question banks sometimes a shelf setting will like help me in the clinical sphere and then Absolutely. that's when i actually understand it yeah, you yeah, know like yeah. i'll have studied yeah. it for the shelf and kind of like but then when i actually see it played out then it's like oh okay now it all makes sense right. you know and then it sticks better too yeah it's like a real person is yeah to it. exactly and that's kind of true too of like everything we learned last year i'm amazed that some of you and i have talked, Bridget and i have talked about this a lot but it's amazing some of the things that i got by with last year that I truly did not understand, you know? <laughs> I have one final thought, and it's short. Okay. If you can, um, when I've been able to do this, it's awesome. Step back from, like, all the stress and, like, evals, like, studying for shelf, like, getting all this work done, like, doing research on the side, like, all that. Step away from all that and, like, think about, like, how bad you wanted this when you were applying to med school and also think about how cool it is, like, the stuff that we're learning and yeah. the people that we're working with. When you're, I think that's like been essential for me to like stop myself from getting burnt out and like still feeling okay about how things are going. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's a really, really incredible privilege that we get to do. So I'm glad that Sam brought that up and I could not agree more. When people ask what you want to do, don't just like, oh, I'm interested in X specialty that they mm -hmm. do because no one... They don't care. Yeah. They, say, really, they really don't care. Just say, not offended. Just say what you want to do. Yeah. And then everyone will just go, okay. And that's the whole conversation. <laughs> um, and two, I think it 
this year is hard in medicine and like everything is like challenging but it's also like very funny there's so many like small hilarious moments that you just kind of have to be looking for and appreciate those moments because those really help like when the days get tough remembering like yeah like it can be light and everything is so like ah like (laughs) more often things will be okay and you're there to lend an ear and just chat and that helps me a lot that's cool all right well thank you guys so much um i hope the Soon to be Denver Health kids will appreciate hearing from you guys. Denver Health's maybe, awesome. Yeah, maybe you're recruiting some people. <laughs> I, I love it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of In the Vein. We'd like to thank our interviewees for helping make this podcast possible. If you have ideas for an episode or have a suggestion for how to make our show better, please reach out to us at inthevainpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.